This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Emery, the Revival Record. Two songs will be available right now on Spotify, and the whole record will be available on Spotify on November 17th. Yes, and this episode is also brought to you by Emory Tour Dates. You can go check those out at emorymusic.com. And finally, today's show is sponsored by Matt and Toby. The new Woo-hoo! record, I Quit Church, out now. We just got CDs, vinyl, and they're shipping. They are in hand, shipping out of the warehouse from Toby's Garage right to you. And you can listen to that on Spotify. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Take it away, fellas. And lastly, this show is brought to you by Joey's Fencing Big Booty Bass Drops. Drop some knowledge, Fencing. Hey, y'all, it's the Big Christian Podcast, man. Come on, man. Talk about Bad Christian, man. Bad Christian Podcast. I tell you what we should do is... uh. Start the show out today. We'll just have Pastor Joey weigh in because I know he's just all about this stuff. Joey, you making fun of my weight again? No, I'm not. I'm just going to go right to your wheelhouse. I want you. He always has a current event show, so I want to weigh in straight (laughs) from the top. I want to know Joey's detailed thoughts on the Mueller investigation. What Manafort's up to? What do you think the prosecutors are going to do, Joey? I don't know. What's their collusion, Joey? (laughs) Yeah, tell me your thoughts on the collusion. You had that long essay that we haven't published yet, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No idea. All right, but at least with George Papadopoulos from, uh, which is hilarious, by the way, from Webster. Um, But you remember George Papadopoulos was the dad on Webster? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, anyway, he's in trouble too. He was a Trump aide. And so, what are your thoughts on the charges? Uh, yeah, I think that they are uh, very much so well-founded. If you look at the conversations <laughs> that were taking place between him and his uh-huh. close confidants right? Uh, and some of the recordings that got leaked and everything, it's appalling. And but it I just, didn't even know there were recordings. Yeah, <laughs> there sure was. That just came out five minutes ago. Wow. Uh, it popped up on my CNN app application on my uh, telephone, it was my cellular uh, tele- telephone device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's really this is getting out of hand, and it just shows that our country is is imploding from the inside. So that's just how I feel about it. You know what's funny is you, Joey, know nothing about what we're talking about, and still answered totally fine. Yes, that's totally fine. I mean, so that just shows you that's what every other that. son of a bitch yeah. on social media is doing too. They don't know anything what they're talking about, just wanting to just talk. I mean, I would have no idea who this guy is, and uh, if I didn't actually, if it wasn't just everywhere for for mm-hmm. you know this week and next probably, and then it'll be gone. But I just, I guess I don't really care. It feels like such. It, I guess I'm just beaten down mm-hmm. by life right now <laughs> because it just feels like, of course, everybody's bad. Nobody thinks that the people that. Trump works with are great people or the people that work with Hillary or whoever. Nobody thinks the politics is just clean as a whistle. Like this, of course he did something bad. I just, I, am I going to, I mean, how much time am I going to spend on it? You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, there's so much stuff. I actually feel like, you know, I, I felt guilty this week. Uh, Ruby said, dad, you're on social media too much. And Sunday we're going to take a break from social media. Uh, from te- <laughs> No, I'm sorry. You're on technology too much. We're going to take a break from technology 
And part of me was like, ah, whatever. You just heard that at school like it's some big deal. What if, what if I handed you your iPad right now? I bet you'd take it when you, you're on it. And, and my immediate, <laughs> yeah, I was immediately like, I was immediately defensive. And my, my, of course, I didn't say anything to her. I was like, yeah, you're right. I will. And, and we did end up playing on Sunday and stuff like that. But I just, there's so much stuff that's just thrown at you in this day and age. I, I'm with you, Joey. Like, I don't even know. It, may, it might just be just me, but I just don't even care. Like, of course, something bad happened. I, I mean, Donald Trump became president what what do you think it was just like on merit (laughs) yeah or what do you think all the other all the other countries in the world have uh like what squeaky clean leaders and stuff like the other you know but i don't pay a ton of attention but i do think it's fun to think about or to observe the culture at large paying attention because when i woke up this morning there was all these tweets about stuff and i thought to myself i said hmm there's a lot of tweets about the World Series game, and there's a lot of tweets about this Mueller investigation. Sounds about like the exact same thing to me. They both sound, and the people that would, the people that don't like sports, for instance, like this other shit. Yeah. I mean, some people like both. Some right. people don't like one and like the other, but you know, it's as if the national pastime has moved a little bit away from sports, and it's, I think it's a, absolutely directly the same focus and attention that people have for sports that some of us move to this politics stuff which to me only trivializes it it makes it seem like it's obviously certain people's national pastime is just being angry or having strong commentary or opinion uh for the sake of doing it for fun it's like i hate the celtics man trump manafort dude we're gonna get them yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same energy for well, people you know that don't that don't like sports. Or so, I mean, again, some people. It's not it's just some people are in sports, some politics. Tons of people like both. In fact, the two are blurring way too much for my comfort. But I just hope people understand it's the same exact energy. It's just entertainment energy. It feels good to get mad at your rival sports team and political opponents. We love it. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty ironic. If you would have forced me to guess who Mueller is. I would have guessed the Houston Texan owner <laughs> who said some <laughs> off comments about the black athletes, which I don't really even know much about that either, except for s- some of them protested. <laughs> he, I he mean, said, I, I, yeah, uh, well, that was an interesting one because he basically he misspoke and he said that we, what are we going to do? Let the inmates run the prison, right? Which is a uh, it's very well uh, uh, documented and said a bunch of times in the history of the world. Well, it's usually to, asylum, it, it, right? It, it, right, it is asylum. So he misspoke for sure. He was just saying let the inmates run the asylum. That's what he should have said, but he said prison. So maybe that is a Freudian slip. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure. But here, here's the deal. Like I mean, he that got caught, and so what he said was inappropriate to this climate right now. And yeah. So that that's just what it is. But I don't think the guy's racist. I, I, a lot of people don't think he's racist, I guess. But um, it it was kind of funny. Draymond Green said uh, something that I thought was pretty provocative or true. Uh, he said, "We got to stop calling these guys owners." <laughs> that's awesome. I was like, "Yeah, that's a good. Let's call it, just call him CEO of the team or whatever. You know, like that. That is kind of funny." Like that's just a, a a slide in there that they own this mm-hmm. team and what is the team the people it's, on those it in guys, a way yeah. I know it's the you know the team so it's just it's just it's just funny but like here's the thing everybody you're right everybody wants to get mad and when yeah. somebody isn't mad you if you notice nobody pays attention to it and lets it go for example I don't know like I, I've been kind of interested in the World Series I like baseball a little bit but I don't know if y'all heard you Darvish was pitching and uh, a guy made a basically uh, one of the other guys. Uh, who was it? Let me see what his name is. 
Garrell, I'm not exactly, he homered off of him. And Garrell went back to, after he hit a home run off you of Darvish, who was the pitcher, uh, Garrell went back to the dugout and then like pulled his eyes apart to make him, I guess, make his eyes look more uh, Asian. close together, slanted Asian or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. Um, it's even hard for me to say that. Like, did I just say something like, you know, I, I don't even know. Like, even just saying, describing what that guy felt, did, I felt like I got to word this carefully. But, uh, and what was really cool was you Darvish's response. Like, you didn't, it just, it just barely got any play. Like, it, nothing big. Like, he could have really came out and this Guerrero guy's career could have been over. It would have been really bad. But you Darvish said in a tweet, uh, or uh, Facebook, wherever he did it, uh, no one is perfect. That includes both you and I. What, what he had done today isn't right, but I believe we should put our effort into learning rather than accuse him. Mm-hmm. If we can take something from this, this is a giant step for mankind. Since we are living in such a wonderful world, let's stay positive and move forward instead of focusing Non-story, on Non-story, skip it, don't retweet it, move on. Right, right. right. Yeah, nothing, you can't, nothing to see yeah. here, somebody acting like a decent human being. I know. Yeah. So that guy, I mean, you did it unbelievable. Not you, Matt. This yeah. guy, you. You did it. Why you did it very good. Uh, did the exact appropriate response. Was shut down everything, which does still convey the message the same, even more clearly than anger and shutting somebody down. Mm-hmm. And the goal should be to get this guy to go. Wait a minute, that was offensive to you know uh, all Japanese people, right? That, you know that that, that that's what right. you did was offensive. Now he that probably guy knows had it groups on his clear. back saying this is your chance to stand up for the Asian. Right people of this league and that and make a big scene and all that kind of stuff and he declined to do it so it didn't right. you know probably the right thing to do i mean is to exact right thing treat to people do. like humans the, yeah. but that's that's what i think uh, i said it a while back but these people that you disagree with on stuff politically or culturally they i don't think of them as your enemy they're just your opponents they're just people that you disagree with that have different ideas and so i'm gonna yeah, try that, that have different they have different ideas for a reason too. That that's they what think we, are, that's what we right, overlook. That they think are good ideas. There's that they might be wrong, but they are their ideas and their beliefs on both sides. Right. So I'm going to try to make this my rule, and I'll see if I break it or not. I hadn't thought it through or anything, but can't. How about this? Here's who I'm going to oppose: are people that are making arguments about other people uh, as far as the person, not their ideas. So I'd like to try to, I'm going to try to make a rule to myself to separate that. I don't want to listen to someone saying this is a bad person because I don't, I don't really think bad person is the best way to describe it. You can describe the, all the people in the GOP as they are. the. If the problem is the people or the person, we're in real trouble. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, if I the do. problem are the people are fundamentally bad and flawed that disagree with me, well, there's no solution then because we all live here. There's no solution right. if it's we got to identify and eradicate the bad people. Yeah. Or we, or we've, take them completely out of power or give them margin yeah. whatever it is that you want to do. If the problem is the other side, the individuals, we're screwed here, okay? So yeah. it has to be their ideas that are bad and if you don't like them, good. Uh try to change those people's ideas. So we need to attack people's ideas and their thoughts because their ideas and their thoughts change. Mine sure have. I've had so many thoughts and ideas that would have probably categorized me as a bad person to somebody else, but now I think different things. So now I'm a good person. What? I mean, what? That's not how that works. Yeah, we're talk. We're talking in our house church last night. We've actually been talking about this a lot. Is is it okay for Christians to just be marked with anger in this political climate? Like, I I do think there are some people in general that are supposed to be really emotionally in- invested in politics, but there there are people out there. 
and I, I'll put them in the same category as us. Like they're they're on the fringe. They're not mainstream, uh, you know, in the church and everything. And I respect them so much, and I respect their opinions. But every single time you turn around, they're griping and they're saying very uh, angry statements that basically I'm just like is like why are you why do you keep doing this like why and and here's and here's what I think the big question is too is some of them will even tweet because I think they know that they're sounding like a, a resounding gong they'll actually put in the tweet this is important so in other words I'm doing something important mm-hmm. by continually harping on this, continually attacking Trump. And it's just like, at some point, don't you stop b- being helpful? Because everybody knows where you're coming from. Like, who whose mind are you changing? Not one person is going to read your tweet and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I see where she's coming from now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm glad you identified that it was a she. Obviously, everybody knew that. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually trying to incorporate females in right. Good, good. You know how they are. That was the wrong right. time. That was the wrong time to do it. Well, well, I mean, I think a lot of people think it's real important. You know, a message or an idea can be important and be worth saying loudly. But but if the predominant thing you're doing as your method of of improving thing is to attack other people as people then that's where i would draw the line is like okay so here's now, a, here's know, a simple, especially attacking groups but i mean yeah here's a simple question is it okay for a and and obviously we're falling into uh legalistic questions here but i think it's a an interesting question is it okay for a christian who is trying to follow jesus to be disgusted and repulsed daily and for that to cause anger and hostility like is that okay to be marked by that or is it god's will for us to be free from that saying yeah trump is disgusting i really can't believe he's leading our country but at the end of the day i'm not going to lose any sleep over it i'm just going to speak out uh, depends on how you perceive it. I'm though. not going to get emotionally wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, but it depends on you how you perceive it. If you if it was like during slavery and you were trying to fight against it, you wouldn't have said, "Well, at the end of the day, I'm just going to be chill right. and not be that mad right. at those people for doing that." You wouldn't yeah. say you wouldn't say that. But on the other hand, you know, you had to just think about is it it you know everything isn't that that might not be right. the situation we're in, and it depends on what's important yeah. and how you're doing it, I suppose. But there are things where it'd be worth being loud about for a long time, right? Yeah. So I get that yeah, point of, of view. Yeah, and I mean it's it's okay to call out wrong mm-hmm. or evil or bad or or you know things that are trying to be subversive and hurt our culture and our people and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That that's not what we're talking about here. I think that the thing that just shows like at the very beginning of this, Joey had no clue of who we we're talking about. And I barely do either. I don't either. Yeah. And and I would just think if if we're just a, a little bit of a segment of the population I think probably most people don't either, but it's just easy probably to get right. mad now. Like before, we know details. It's easy to get mad, and I'm uh, talking to myself here. Like we're not, we're not. People, a ton of people right now would say, "Oh, well, bad Christian, y'all talk shit about everybody," mm-hmm. and they're probably yeah. right. But, Can I make a distinction? You finish that, and I'll give you a distinction. No, on, no, go ahead. On. I want to hear what you're going to say. Well, the distinction is this. Again, I don't have bad that many bad thoughts about individuals or people or groups. I just think. It's about, I mean, we're, we're attacking, in fact, we spend most of our time attacking the group that we're a part of, okay? 
Right. So that to me is a little bit different. Now, at the country level, I think it's okay to attack your country members too. Like America needs to clean itself up. The church needs to clean itself up. So that's us, but it ain't a them situation. So, you know, we, in fact, we reserve, I reserve probably 80% of my complaints to complaining about if you look at it in the larger scale, scale, Christians like me is the way I think of it. That's why, that's why it's okay to do. And I don't hate them and I don't think they're bad people. I don't think that Mark Driscoll is a bad guy that I hope bad stuff happens to him. Or if I do, I have to resist that. I don't think that's right, for instance. I don't think that right. Perry Noble and Stephen Furtick are bad people that, that I hope bad things happen to them. Toby does. That's not Toby how I does. think of that. Those are people that I think I could sit down and have dinner <laughs> with very easily and civilly and talk about stuff with. I think I could do that. So it's totally, I, I mean, of course I can make fun of this, goofball goobers. I mean, it's like, I don't even, of course. Well, here's the problem, though, and uh, I mean, I, this has to be the theme is we spend so much. I agree. Toby, you just said it's there's a time to speak out against stuff for sure. Matt, you said there's time to continually speak out against stuff, but we spend so much time speaking out against injustice. We don't realize that people are the way that they are for a reason. They're not deciding I'm going to be a very bad citizen and have very bad beliefs that screw people over. They're thinking, oh, this, how I'm thinking, is best for our country. And I think Christians, of all people, we should be leading the way with keeping the conversation going. Instead, we're kind of the worst ones with just being so sharp-tongued and so quick to speak. It's like, can we listen some? I mean, can 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 we listen so we can figure out exactly why they believe that they believe? And and I don't think we're anywhere close to that, which just is very scary. And, and I, mean, I can't get it like, quite. Are, are a, we heading towards a civil war? I don't know. Well, if so, that's what I'm saying. That's the bad. That's what's crazy is I mean, we're just, it's just us, and we're it's not regional. Like if half of the people in the country are the problem, doesn't matter which side you're on. If you see half of the humans right. as the problem, well, we got a permanent problem then. I mean, this, oh, is, a this is a really interesting thought, but what would, happen, what would happen if someone started a Facebook group that said succession from America <laughs> or, or, or just initiated that? I mean, wouldn't there be a huge amount of people to be like, if it was organized and really thought through and, you know, hey, we're going to take little steps, don't you think a lot of people would be all in with saying we're going to do something to distinguish ourselves from the leadership of our country. I would I would disagree with that only because I just think people are lazy and all they'd ra- <laughs> all they want to do is act ugly on social media. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's probably probably all just they, do. They, don't, they don't really care. Yeah. It's mostly I mean, everybody, everybody woke up today. Yeah, the the football players are getting up this morning and going to the stadium to work. Everybody's I mean, it, it means something, but the truth is like Matt said, it, it, it there really is a problem. Like, think about just between Democrat and Republican. It's always like around 50 50. And then there's a whole other percentage uh, of people, you know, that don't vote or don't care or just thinks it's foolish anyway. So it's just when you look at the uh, whole population, I just feel like there's a lot of anger and hurt and butt hurt and truth and people have really been wronged and all the, uh, so much stuff. But it's just, it's frustrating to me because I feel like we never really get to the heart of the matter. For example, did y'all hear now Kevin Spacey came out uh, or the, a guy accused Kevin Spacey of yeah. uh, trying to seduce him or put him in a compromising situation when he was 14 years old? Mm-hmm. And Kevin Spacey comes out and says, oh, I, I can't remember. That was 30 years ago. And uh, if I did do that, 
Uh, sounds like something drunk I would have maybe have done, and I owe him, owe him an apology. But uh, then immediately, like, Wanda Sykes and then uh, Rosie O'Donnell come out and just say some mean, hateful stuff to Kevin Spacey, which I'm like, okay. But that just immediately makes draws lines and sides. One guy says something. Another guy says he doesn't or remember or, you know, whatever it might be. And Rosie O'Donnell said this. She said, there's always been these rumors going around of this, this, and this. And I go, well, you never said anything. At what point when you had your TV show that was like one of the most popular TV shows in the world, at what point when you've had a microphone and all this stuff, you didn't say anything about Kevin Spacey maybe doing something really bad? Like, I, it, I, I just don't, like, now you now you get kind of on your high horse and say that it was all him and you can be righteous in that. What I'm saying is she's doing the right thing now. I'm glad. I, right, right now, doing the right thing in a way of we need to call out people who would try to hurt others and be physical or molest them or rape them though all these things need to be called out but right now that's happening as we speak it's happening in hollywood it's happening in politics it's happening in all these things and this is just one issue and so all it becomes is name calling and say uh-huh told you this is what you did you're bad you're People bad being ugly. And, and and then uh, it, it, it just goes away or something like i, I don't know what's going to happen i don't know maybe there's a bunch of allegations against kevin spacey maybe there's there's no more maybe this is a one-time thing where he's drunk and two guys he thought uh, he made a poor judgment and had a really bad made a really bad decision and tried to you know seduce a guy and you know my my point is we are we going to get anywhere with it like what like what's going to where are we going to get with this stuff like now harvey weinstein or weinstein rather it's probably going to go to jail but he's probably should have gone to jail a long time ago and i i just i it breaks my heart thinking about other uh ladies and men right now in hollywood that is happening to them or in politics, or in the church, or in business, wherever it is, it just breaks my heart thinking, like, instead of just going shutdown mode, and everybody's, oh yeah, busted Harvey Weinstein, let's really fix the problem, that's what I long for, is real solutions, like you Darvish said, hey, of course I can end this guy's career, and say something really terrible, and come back, and I have every right to, and I'll be a hero in a way of standing up, and saying something hard, instead he took the Jesus route, is what I would call it, and goes, well, every, we all make mistakes, so let's see if we can forgive this guy and learn from it, because that'll be the real win. Because when we just act in anger and hate and and just throw it right back, we're doing similarly what the person did to us, and we're hurting ourselves as well. Like it, it, that, That's why this whole thing is, feels exhausting and infectious. It, it, yeah, feels it feels like, like a virus, I agree. Like It's like you're taking the same energy you take toward a baseball team and, and just... You know, it's it's complicated issues, but you're it's just right. putting people through the grinder. I'm not saying don't put predators, don't. Well, I'm not saying anything like that, but I mean, the glee and joy that people get out of being right or or the other or the other person being wrong is is kind of disgusting. That that part of it, aside from who's bad and who does what right. bad, the glee and joy received for those who now feel like they're on the right side or have something bad to say about others is is a little bit disturbing. Yeah. But I tell you what isn't disturbing is the escape of listening to good music that you care about, like, and love. Music can maybe be a remedy. Maybe maybe people should go back to listening to records in their room all afternoon instead of being on social media. And I'll tell you a record Ooh. that would be good to listen to. Uh, there's a new record, and I'm going to play a song for you right now. Here's a song from a band called Phineas. They're a tooth and nail band, a solid state band, and they have a new album called Dark Flag. Now, Phineas is Solid State's newest signing, and their new album, Dark Flag, comes out on November 17th, which is coming up real soon. All right, so check the song out a little bit.
Okay, this band that you're listening to, Phineas, will be on a nationwide tour with Fit for a King in Hearts Wake and Like Moths to Flames throughout November and December. You can go to the Band is in Town page to check if they're coming to your city. And uh, pre-orders for Dark Flag are available at darkflag.merchnow.com. Again, Dark Flag comes out on November 17th. But for now, just go over to Spotify or wherever you buy or stream music and check out this single in full by Phineas. Thank you, Solid State. Thank you, Tooth and Nail. Thank you, Phineas. Okay, let's ring up our guest for today. Our guest for today is Spencer Fulmar. And Spencer is a... uh, He's a film director, and he's got some. He's got a whole bunch of credits to his name, but his last thing he's done is a film called Generational Sins, and uh, it's interesting. It kind of comes from. It's in what they call the hard faith genre. So it's got some strong language, strong themes into it. Made by a Christian guy, Spencer Fulmar. Let's see if we can ring him up. All right, Spencer. So your film Generational Sins just came out this year. I want to say congratulations for that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's. I always think film is such a crazy thing to to do because it just seems like there's so many things that can go wrong and make a movie turn out poorly. It make, it's like sounds like a very scary thing compared to making an audio recording for a record or something for a band. So I have a lot of respect for people doing film. Thank you. Yeah, there is. It seems like con- um, Murphy's Law is constantly present in the entire filmmaking production yeah i would yeah, think so. it seems so scary like I, I mean you just you're spending a lot of money and you're oh, going yeah. to make mistakes and then you have to fix those mistakes i guess is that is that what happens like do you find mistakes later that you just have to fix like when you're doing the editing and all that stuff you're like oh crap yeah a really common phrase which is a really awful phrase is fix it in post mm-hmm. yeah and you try to avoid that as much as possible in all of the stages of production but unfortunately that's still going to have to be a reality that things you just didn't anticipate are going to go wrong on set. Now, if you're a filmmaker, Spencer, let me ask you this question. This is a theory that I have that colors the way that I view media and, and entertainment, stuff like that. There's one level where I watch movies and I say, oh, I enjoyed it or I don't, or I think of it as art. But there's the movie Avengers Part 1, I think mm-hmm. is one of the has to be one of the greatest achievements in cinema, and not because I just <laughs> love every moment of it, but when I think about trying to run a podcast or, again, make a, a record and deal with the producer and the lead singer and the label, sounds really hard, and it's so easy to make things go wrong, I cannot believe that there's one person, whoever the director of that was, is Josh Whedon or whatever, whoever that is. Yeah. How could one person be in charge of a project so large with so many important people and personalities and special effects and cinematography and all these th- things all the way down to fix it in post to all the way down to the release of it and not ruin a movie like that? It seems like it would have been so easy for that movie to turn out dumb or cheesy or not land or, fe- you know, I know it's saying it's the most artistic thing in the world, but just the fact that it was managed, there's no way the guy in charge of it can have his hands on everything. So what is, what is the guy in charge of it even doing day to day? Like what an achievement to keep that show on the road. You're right. I mean, it is an absolute miracle that any film ever gets made, especially on the kind of scale that you're talking about. With gets the made Avengers without being and ruined and, and just yeah. looking like an idiot movie. That's so dumb. So how do you, I mean, yeah, What's going on with that? How can somebody even run that production? The director's really the guy that's supposed to be integrating a whole bunch of artists working towards the big picture, right? Um, pun intended, but the big picture of making this film. Mm-hmm. And and so the director's almost like an orchestrator where you're trying to integrate because it's, I mean, film is such an incredible medium because 
it is the synergy of all of the different art forms. You know, whether you're painting a set or conducting music, making music, um, these actors and artists and storytellers all coming together to make a, a, a picture that feels like it is well woven together, like a beautiful tapestry. Mm-hmm. And then whenever that works, you know, it resonates with audiences and it isn't ruined. But whenever it's on such a large scale like that, the director still is the captain of the ship. But there's a lot of producers, there's a lot of studio heads that are also being sure that he is well supported or she is well supported and that, um, you know, everything turns out right. Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense to me. Like, it seems like you'd spend the whole time just being people motivating and managing and playing <laughs> politics at that level. <laughs> there is a lot of that, for yeah. sure. Spencer, do you ever find that you're not Christian enough for the Christians and, like, you're, like, too Christian for the non. I don't know, I don't know if you can tell Joey's sarcasm there. We, we were talking about. We, we, we were talking about before. Uh, well, Matt was bringing it up. He would facepalm if we got into that. Like, like that's uh, something that we don't want to talk about. That like you're too Christian for one and not Christian enough for hey, the what, other. Hey, Matt, what's the other one? What's uh, the other one that? Oh you no, ate? the other the other uh, ditch I was hoping to avoid for this interview, uh, Spencer, would be the one where in about ten minutes from now we go. Uh, somebody says, but you know, traditionally the church has been known for its art and now it's all just become com- silly. <laughs> so let's try to avoid that. Uh, this is great. You guys already know all the cliches. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're, we've, we've contributed a lot to these cliches. We've said those things a million times and stuff, but I do find that one to be a little bit false where it's like, uh, I'm starting to get on my nerves at least, the stench of the, of the ones like, well, we get it from both sides, right? But it's usually, if you're getting it from both sides, I'm not feeling bad for you because it means that you're something's happening people are paying attention and whatever so it is crazy it's not like though, woe is me if you're doing anything yeah. good for you it yeah. is crazy though like toby and i have taught or, or toby has been talking about this for so long and obviously matt and i have gotten wrapped up in the conversation too of just how cool it would be to make a movie that you know because faith is a big deal for us personally in our lives mm-hmm. to make a movie where that that's being revealed some like a, a, a faith and and all that but just to be a real movie like where yeah. there's where you're not trying to avoid violence well, wait avoid are you saying faith-based films aren't real movies joey is that what you're implying there question. Are, 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 are they are they real movies <laughs> a lot of them unfortunately aren't i know exactly what you're saying joey because it doesn't like even for you to have to say that is so incredible but that's true right like the fact that we even need to have this conversation shows you where the traditional faith-based market is and traditional faith-based films unfortunately are let's be specific name one name something that's a, a cinema Uh-oh. cinema joke to you <laughs> he's not gonna say that <laughs> why not <laughs> oh man there's because a lot. this is like this is like his band of brothers like is it i'm just asking you know i mean I want to stay out of the Christian ghetto as much as possible. And unfortunately, that's <laughs> Who's where in the Christian ghetto? a lot of traditional faith-based films are. You know, like they only resonate with Christians. They can't get out of the Christian subculture. Yes. Uh, they're not real movies. And so even Christians feel like they're almost doing penance or like yes. tithing and, and guilted into seeing these really 
cruddy films. Like God's they're basically, <laughs> they're basically movies that you only get to watch when with your mother-in-law who's Southern Baptist when you go visit for Thanksgiving. Yeah, but that's does when she I see think that's movies. a real yeah, movie? Wait, exactly. is what, wait that, that's we got to back yes, up she here. Thinks, yeah, she did, thinks it's a real movie. Or does she think it's just, penance? Though, does she not understand that God's Not Dead is a silly movie, but she's playing a, a game, or does she really no. think that's a real movie? No, I, that w- is good? I went to Thanksgiving, oh. and my mother in law, bless her heart, who I love, I think she's a sweet lady, she thought Jess and I needed to see that movie, and so that's when I watched but, that movie. So that makes it she not a real movie. Thought, the fact that you no, needed to see it for something other than this movie kicks ass, let's watch it. That's what I'm saying. Even Spencer she just knows said it's not a real movie. No, she, <laughs> Spencer she thinks just, it's a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer oh, just said does. that there are Christians that are guilted into watching these movies, and that is so true. Like me be in my pastoral role, I'll have people that will come up to me and say, "Hey, you've seen the prayer room, right?" And I'm like, "No, I have. I just haven't got. You, you're going to the, see that, right? Like you, this is an important movie." And I'm like, oh. I, mean, "I don't know." But here's here's what's crazy, and I, I'll I'll come out of the closet and say. I actually think Fireproof, even though I do think it's in a different category, it's a pretty powerful film when it comes to dedication and marriage. I mean, you got to give it to the writers or whoever. It's just like, wow, that was a that was a super compelling story. But why does it have to be in this separate category? Like, it uh-huh. is so clear. Here are Christian films. And I'd go so far as to say, I mean, obviously their success is a hundred percent due to a collection of Christians are funneling to go see it. They're, yes. they're not successful because people are like, Ooh, this is a great movie. Like you <laughs> said, they are made for one demographic. And if you can focus on that demographic and get them all into the theater, then you're, you're good to go. You're going to make a lot of money. That's right. And yes, I, I completely stand behind my statement that it is almost like penance. It's guilt. And so often even like, and films that are, edifying that can be beneficial like um fireproof right yeah i mean that resonated with a lot of people that were in a similar position especially people in the church in that certain demographic i think that a lot of unfortunate byproducts of this is that one the church like becomes like pastors are paid to promote films hmm. right which is yeah. a lot of complications for the church and for the filmmakers and everyone else and then two this demographic in what we know today as faith-based, you know, your Southern grandma that, bless her heart, you know, she yeah. thinks it's a documentary, God's Not yeah. Dead. But like this certain demographic, right, because they've been so well identified and they've paid so much money that that's the only space in this huge art form for making films. And so if you don't fit those certain ingredients for that souffle um, to be what's known as a faith-based film, like if you don't fit into that unique genre – then you're just ostracized. But if you talk about, well, I'm not going to get into this this cliche argument, but um, it's just unfortunate because that demographic is so specific, but it's not representative of all of Christian America or the Christian world. Um, It's become such a powerful brand that there's not a lot of other expressions or other demographics being represented. Well, for you, would you consider yourself a Christian filmmaker? And is that a distinction that you think (laughs) is necessary? Like, do you think that Mm way? Oh boy. And this is like, there's another conversation, right? Like you hear Lecrae talking about, you know, like, is he a Christian rapper? Is he a rapper? That's a Christian. Yeah. Um, My, I don't know what I would express myself as because I'm afraid that the way I might try to express myself might just be counterproductive. Yeah. Well, it, like, so is it important to make the distinction? Like, no, is it even not at nope. all? 
No, and what, what I don't are, think so. And that leads us into what what are you doing differently than uh, t- tell our listeners what makes you different than the the folks that put fireproof together and facing the giants and war room and all all of that. So we went. We make what we call hard faith films. Um, I know this is like marketing, whatever. But um, what we're how we're different from like fireproof or facing the giants um, or God's not dead is that we are trying to actually cater to like an unchurched or not traditional Christian audience. Like it's not a Southern Baptist audience, not necessarily Bible Belt. I think people from that demographic will still appreciate the kind of films that we're making, but. Where we want to start is just like the fallen world and depravity of man and not sugarcoating how bad things actually are. You know, like showing the world as it truly is, an R-rated world in which we're all born into and participate in. And yet, you know, for people who are most disenfranchised or most depressed or most addicted, giving them the greatest anecdote to life, which is Jesus Christ, in my opinion. That's how I'm a Christian artist is that my greatest truth is Jesus. And so as an artist, if I want to express my greatest truth, for me personally, it's going to end up at Jesus. So does that end up playing out like, so when you're making a movie, are you thinking missionally or like spread the gospel? Or are you thinking, I'm going to make a kick-ass movie? Whew. Um, for me, it's missional. I went to seminary. Um, I got my master's of theology. I, I didn't grow up in the church. I've only been a Christian seven years. And it really flip my world upside down. Um, But the transition into the real world from understanding Christianity in a protected Bible school setting was really difficult. And so for me in these films, what I'm trying to do, what our film company is trying to do with hard faith films is that we want to reach people and give them hope who either traditionally don't attend church, watch faith-based films or have a lot of hope in their life. Yeah. So I think art can do that. In a, in a more powerful way than anything else, especially the most powerful medium, which is film. Yeah, I think I feel – here's the thing. I, I don't mind – for example, I don't mind my mother-in-law spending her m- money on a movie that she is going to enjoy. Like, she did enjoy yeah. uh, these movies, like these faith-based movies. She actually does enjoy it and likes it so much so that she wants me to watch it because she thinks the message, the story, everything's really good. I see yeah. it and I go, well, man, it just makes like atheists seem like the most – they're evil, <laughs> awful people that you should never be around. Like it's just, yeah. it's, I see it from a different perspective, but my worldview is different than hers. Sure. But, uh, so I don't mind that aspect that they're spending their money on that. So that doesn't even bother me, really. Like that, that's okay. Are you trying to break into that and and be more artistic? Is that like the goal of what you're trying to do? Like like bring more art to this like you don't mind faith-based films but you you think it can expand and get better is that the goal too i i'm looking not necessarily to play i think unfortunately generational sins got too caught up in the faith-based genre the faith-based world because what i'd really like this these films to be is just an open expression of faith in the public square you know like talking about like there's other, there's other artists that care about Jesus in the film industry and other industries. And so I think the differentiation between, oh, this is a faith-based film and this is just a film isn't helpful to really anyone. I, yeah. You know, I, under, I appreciate that there's a lot of people who are edified by the traditional faith-based films. I'm just not always sure outside of a really expensive Bible study because they are so like message-driven, propaganda almost yeah. Um, yeah. driven. I'm not sure 
who they're benefiting outside of people who are already quite well fed. Right. Fattening the sheep. Yeah. That makes a, that is a great point to make. It's just for them. Uh, it's like well, a forerunner in that bu- in this culture of everything. Everybody living in echo chambers and bubbles. This is like the preeminent <sighs> one that, that, for the ages. Like that we've had this echo chamber for a long time, and now everybody's in there. Everybody else has now gone into their own echo chambers as well. But this one has been yeah. around a while, and it's going to take a long right. time to get out of. Or I don't know. We may be going the other direction. In fact, of everybody reinforcing their own stuff and only speak preaching to the choir. I mean, the analogy goes back forever. Yeah. So it, it's right. going to take a while to untangle. You're right. It, it isn't the easiest way to make money. <laughs> so are people, are, are, are you basically, uh, I mean, with your films, is it anything goes? Do you guys say fuck, shit, damn, bitch, like any word? Keep going, Joey. Sexually, make sure. Uh, okay. Dickhead. <laughs> yeah, Spencer, do you cuss and what's your favorite cuss word? <laughs> I do cuss. I, I enjoy cussing. And anything goes as far as cuss words in our films, except for I don't use the Lord's name in vain because I really think that's probably the only cuss word that God gives a shit about, as far as I can tell from reading scripture. Yeah. But my favorite swear word's definitely fuck. <laughs> now, we'll, hey, we'll thanks for being honest movies. about what, yeah. so what. So what does hard faith films mean? Like, how far do y'all take it? Like, is it, is it just profanity or does it also go into the storytelling as well? Or sexually por- explicit stuff? It, yeah, or? just porn, actually. We're just yeah. we're a Christian <laughs> porn company. Uh, it, see... Um, I was recently just interviewed by, I think it's like a Christian bookstore or something. I don't know. Um, it's some magazine for Christian bookstores. And they asked me the same question, you know, like, where do I draw the line? And, and I think a lot of Christians, that's a quick question because they want to embrace something like this as far as like something that's uncensored or more edgy. But as responsible Christians and as, you know, culture creators, people that have platforms, which, you know, whether you're an artist or a filmmaker or a pastor, we all have different platforms and we have to be responsible with the messages and how we're showing them. Um, let me let me ask it this way. I'm sorry for interrupting yeah. you, but for a frame of reference, would uh-huh. you have put out Pulp Fiction? Like, if you did all <laughs> of that, would you have been comfortable? And let's just say Samuel L. Jackson, his big revelation with God, he actually commits his life to Christ. <laughs> but everything else, would you have been comfortable with releasing? The violence, the genius uh, dialogue between them, the drug use, the... Uh, <laughs> rape scene and all of that. Uh, yes, it's probably not the kind of expression I'd make. I love that film. Maybe I would go so far as the gimp. <laughs> um, it's a great, it's a great film for me. I don't really have any laws, and I don't want to, especially because I think Christian artists are the most restricted artists and the most like examine underneath the magnifying glass and they get called out and chastised the most. Like yeah. I listened to your podcast with King's Kaleidoscope, you know, whenever he said fuck in um, a prayer. Right. And just, you know, the backlash that he received, you know, our film says fuck and the backlash we've received, especially from the Christian church. The rest of the world doesn't give a shit. But um, yeah. as far as like sexuality and nudity, you know, our next film, actually, it deals with, it's called The Beast in Me, inspired by the Johnny Cash song of the same title. Oh, and wow. so... It's the logline for the film. It's a drug addict trying to escape his troubled past who's saved by grace, a prostitute. So it takes place place in Las Vegas. It takes place in brothels and sex trafficking. And so there is nudity at these brothels. But for me as a Christian trying to be responsible, I'm not doing it in a way that is supposed to arouse my audience members. I'm trying to shoot it in a way, and our intentionality is to shoot it in a way that exposes 
a real reality, which is buying sex and sex trafficking, um, and yet make the audience feel uncomfortable by something that mm-hmm. was meant to be beautiful. Yes, wow. I think that's an interesting thing, and it requires, I mean, it doesn't help you anyway as far as getting endorsements necessarily, except for it should help no. you in the way of, if it's powerful and it works, that'll work, and that's sim- similar with the King's Kaleidoscope thing like it's going to take enough people willing to take the hit Mm -hmm. so to speak doing the way we do with this and what you do with that and what chad did with that to where other people will be free to take similar liberties basically so so i think i see it as a fight you have to be somebody who's credible who cares who's authentic who's real and then your expression be real and then of course you'll be labeled as being shocking to by some but that's a dismissive claim in my opinion it has to come from a genuine place of art and then you have to be mm-hmm. bold enough to do it and then that'll continue to help fight back against the, what the, the the gross stuff and i think it'll clear more room for more people and i think we see that all the time i mean the, to me it's a movement and i see it coming out from film from podcasting uh is a great medium for it and then of course music and so you just need brave people to go first that may take some kind of hit but in the long run i think that you know you, you win back territory so this is yeah. a this this is a little bit off off topic, but um, so you made a distinction between uh, nudity that is depict that that's purposely Joey is trying super to, into nudity too. Yeah. By the way, let's circle back, back, back to like, the brothel yeah, yeah. scene. Let's Go get ahead. back to the brothel and the nudity sure. real quick. This might yeah, be off so topic, yeah. but I'd really like to hear what kind of women did you hire? Can you, they yeah. Christian? Can you describe <laughs> the women in great detail? No, um, but there's there's some that's meant for arousal, others that's meant to depict the realities. Do you think the same holds true? Well, well, definitely the same holds true with violence. Are mm-hmm. you okay with senseless? violence for the sake of violence because you have saving private ryan sort of violence and then you have scream trilogy sort of violence are you okay with both of them just as a christian as a person you know just as a person i i would much rather see a breast than senseless violence or cruelty or you know like yeah all those like really bad horror films i i really can't stomach them like i i become i don't know why but i'm not wired that I can consume that without yeah. being very disturbed. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I find that a lot more offensive than a breast. I don't, or whatever, you know, even that's, you know, a, a big comparison, but I don't like senseless violence. You know, I think everything can be used, whether it's, and you can make a responsible statement, right? Yeah. Because it's also going to depend on the heart of the man watching it, right? Like, I can show this scene that I'm trying very hard to depict it in a certain way that it doesn't invoke arousal into my audience members. But really, that same scene consumed by one audience member can be consumed completely differently by mm-hmm. another audience member. True. And so as an artist, I'm going to try to do my best to be responsible and be intentional. Um, but I think that's a great point to bring up, is that obviously, you know, even the faith-based realm, I don't think anyone has a big problem with senseless violence or violence in general, like mm-hmm. in America. Um, but we're, our Victorian minds can't allow us to see nudity. Well, there's a huge, there's a huge uh, hypocrisy double standard when it comes to violence <laughs> and sexuality stuff. Like, 
I mean, yeah. like, think about it this way. You should have to have uh, sign an affidavit saying that you haven't seen, volitionally looked at any pornography in one year before you complain about the nudity content on a network television show, for instance. Mm. Like, that's nonsense. <laughs> yep. And uh, yep. it's just nonsense. And yep. also, if you think about it compared to violence, which violence doesn't really bother me particularly either, but... I mean, yeah. it's not like I also go in my private time and kill things and are violent. Like, <laughs> right? it's not. There's not the same. It's a little good. bit of a weird thing. Supposedly, like, just, just, I mean, violence is bad. I don't like it, and so it's almost yeah, maybe that's, that's why true. people are more okay with huh. it because I don't have the duality of. But I also go, go into my private time and 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 am violent. I don't. I I don't have that side of me. There's no violent side that I'm trying to suppress. Sex, I like. Sex, I do. Yep. Sex, I battle with. Sex. Is a real thing to me, and therefore, mm -hmm. don't show boobs. Do you know what I mean? There's something something right. about that. Whereas violence, oh, doesn't, there's no dark side of me that wants to shoot people. So, but there is a dark that's side of me that wants to screw people. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so that that's, out of that comes, I think, some of the the overreaction to those things. That makes sense. That's a good point. I hadn't really considered that before. Um, I don't know if you know. I, I don't understand the gun violence in this country. And I wouldn't want to ever make the comparison that it's because of our media or because of our video games, like a black and white comparison like that. So maybe that, maybe there is something to that. Maybe there isn't, but you're right. I mean, something like sex and sex, you know, nudity and porn and stuff like that is much more, is this something that we all wrestle with a lot more actively in our normal lives? Like if you had to deal with that in the when you're watching God's Not Dead, if somebody threw that scene in and you had to watch it with your mother-in-law, it would make everybody massively uncomfortable. Just watching a regular movie with your parents, even if it's not trying to be uptight and a sex scene comes on, makes everybody pretty uncomfortable. But I would just suggest, well, now you've got hmm. something artistically interesting. Like the fact that you can make your audience uncomfortable, it should be a powerful tool, right? That's right. Yeah, and that can be used for a purpose. Right. I mean, definitely. I think that's where the problem comes in for me sometimes with some of the faith-based films is that it does not allow for art. It uh, it doesn't, it doesn't like when I think about movies, I think about well, two things in entertainment today, comedians and movies, I feel like are some of the best possible ways to tell stories mm -hmm. and to tell us about our culture and who we actually are and what we really are thinking. We all put on a front, but, but when you see a, a great movie that tells a really good story, then it moves you in ways that you weren't going to be able to or that you maybe didn't even totally like. There's there's parts in movies where you're like, I wish that wouldn't have happened. Why couldn't they have lived? Or they had yeah. this happen. Or you know, It takes you places you don't want to. And that is the danger, I think, when if you don't do that, kind of like you know what you're doing, Spencer, you're taking people to a place where they wouldn't normally go. It's easier to stay in the safe spot and support that and stick there. And so I think that yeah. it, it, what's really great about what you're doing it does seem artistic like you're taking a chance i was wondering is it all scary for your pocketbook like like would it be easier <laughs> if, like like with generational sins your, your last movie would it have been easier to leave the cuss words out could i mean yes. would that have been an easier thing to do definitely yeah it is easier on the pocketbook to play it safe and to not allow audiences to be uncomfortable but it's just not that edifying and it's not that exciting um because there's a lot easier ways to make money than like being a trailblazer or doing something that sticks out. You know, usually it's finding a formula that works and then continuing to pump out 
you know, God's Not Dead Part Three, which is in right. production right now. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> what scary. do you think about the but, Passion of the Christ <laughs> film? Like, how do you how do you view that film? Ooh, I like that question. It's a great question, and I think that is a great example that we can point to. I know that it's it falls on many different spheres. You know, some people say it's too violent and stuff like that, but I think Passion is such a great case study for the industry, even especially the pocketbook uh, question, because it is still today the highest grossing. R-rated film of all time. Wow. Of all R-rated films. I didn't know that. It is the That's highest those Christians, person. That's well. man. That's I Christians. We yeah. literally, we literally uh, rented out, I mean, this is a long time ago. I don't even think I was working at a church. The church I was going to rented out uh, a theater of a major uh, movie theater mm-hmm. and basically just had times where people can't, I mean, they bought their tickets beforehand and this was going on all over the nation. I mean, it was like a thing. Like you have to, yeah. if you're a Christian, you are assigned to go see this movie. <laughs> you have to, and you have to invite your neighbors too, because it's so powerful. They're going to get saved too. I mean, it's just crazy. And I, I, here's what I was so surprised by. I was surprised that the Christians were not bothered by the artistic liberties that Mel Gibson mm-hmm. took with the Antichrist baby, with yeah. the uh, demonic kids chasing Judas and all that. Like I, I really thought they were going to be upset about that, but they they're just like, oh, hail Mel Gibson. He is Jesus mm-hmm. coming, you know, second return. It was just crazy. Yeah, it was such a phenomenon. It was amazing. I, mean, I wasn't even a, really an active or professing Christian at that time, and I got dragged to see it. I saw it uh, by some youth group, and it did take a lot of artistic uh, liberties. You know, and um, Mel Gibson is a professing Roman Catholic, and the evangelicals didn't have any issue with that, mostly. And it's still the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. He could have made That's that PG-13 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, to appease the, you know, the church ladies or whoever it is you're trying to appease, but he kept it R-rated, which I would I mean, give him props for. I mean, that pecking of the eye was, that was, oh. that was that Well, was just hardcore, think about it this right way. Like you mentioned that church ladies <laughs> that say, oh, you know, I've heard this a million times with people when they don't mm-hmm. like something artistically, they just say, well, they just took it too far. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have, anybody that oh, ever, yeah. anybody that ever says that is a absolutely not a creator of anything. Right. Like the only people that yeah. will ever make that comment right. are not people that create things as if there was some other version of it that they conceived of. And knew what would have been better. That's just, but it's just a nonsense statement because you'd never, ever, ever, ever mm. want a creative person that you think is mm. great. You don't ever wish that in general they played it safe more. That's not Amen. a possible thing that anybody's ever thought about a yep. creator. It's like, I just wish he'd stay on the safer side and not really tell us everything that he thinks of. You don't want a musician Wait, you don't, to do you that. Don't think, you don't want anybody don't to think- do that. You don't think King's K's, uh, King's Kaleidoscope's fans, you don't think there were fans that were just like, gosh, I wish they wouldn't have said the, fuck the, in that the song. degree that they, to the, which they would do that is to, do, to the degree that they're not real fans, is my, what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that <laughs> is a actual tip off that they had an agenda on the art itself. That, I, I agree. that you don't it's wish not, that the creator that of any show so that you like or anything is like, you don't go, oh, I can't wait for his next series and I hope he's more careful. And doesn't and pulls back more. That's not a thing you think about a creator. I, you, I hope he doesn't like push the boundaries or the limits. Right. Now, if you don't like, I don't like Rob Zombie's uh, films. They're too far for me. But I'm not sure. like I don't think he should have made a safer version for me. I just don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not a very helpful question. You know, even and this is probably going to get too theological. But you know, I've had a lot of people say like, "Oh, well, you don't. You know, you're." And, uh, there's so many ways that this is talked about, but um, 
you know, you're an intelligent, mature Christian. Like, do you really need to swear, right? Do you ever, do you need to swear? Like, do you need to say that word? And I obviously, no, I don't need to say fuck ever, ever. But I choose to, and I think I have a Christian liberty to be able to, you know, like it's pagan me. I'm yeah. not, my conscience doesn't buy me about certain swear words, most swear words. And so I, with my Christian liberty, can enjoy it. But even to like ask like the root of that question, I wouldn't say to the same person, like, do you have to eat pepperoni pizza? Right. Like, do you have to consume sugar? You know, and we can get into whatever kind of guilt association that you want to put on that. But I'm not really interested in like, a, you know, a righteousness pissing game. You know, I, I, I'm not in this faith because of my righteousness to begin with. Yeah, it's just it, it, and what we're talking about here, though, is just that people are it, it's scary when you push the limits, because then you actually have to think about your God and what it means yes. to be a real human. <laughs> God forbid. And you, you have, have to, to you have to. Uh, I mean, seriously, isn't that what it is? Like, I, I mean, that's probably like like. So they dumb it down to your movie. Oh, it has cuss words in it. That guy, well, he might, you know, is he a real Christian? If he's going to be using yep. profanity, like, I'm not taking my family or spending my money there because they don't want to take the time to actually think about the I know. the real deal. Like, hear the story. What is this? Like, if they could see the story and, and enjoy it, I mean, that would be so much better, right? Like, in, Absolutely. That's, I guess that's my overall thought here. Your your goal is to get the story told, right? That's yes. what you're, you, like you use cuss words because it's real and befitting. Like it, like you were even talking about. I like the way you, you said that about how you're not y- using uh, nudity to turn anybody on or, or, or get them excited. Like you're, it's a real part of the story that is there. So yep. why would you leave the real part of the story out? The, the Bible doesn't leave out Jesus hanging out with a prostitute. It could have. It would have been way, probably sure. a lot of ways. It could have done a lot of stuff, you know, left a, a bunch of stuff out. Be, or a better question would be, what him, if they, you know? that was the technology of the time, which was writing on you know, yeah. scrolls. But what if they had video? What would the Bible have recorded for us? Is It'd be X rated. Right? It would <laughs> be. You know what I'm saying, would it not show? Like we, it described. You know what happened to Goliath. Yeah. It described what happened. I mean, there's some pretty de- super detail in some of those Genesis yep. stories of things that happened. In that fact, were unbelievable. That Do you think, think it wouldn't I, have I, showed it? Do you think like, it would have blurred it out? You think it would have skipped it? Any like, chapter what, it's just of a, judges the medium or, of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's. I a, would. I would ahead. love to see the story of Jacob depicted like when he accidentally sleeps with Leah. <laughs> I'd love to see him wake up in the morning and be like, Oh my God. And then, and then his uh, future father-in-law says seven more years. <laughs> like that'd be such a great movie just to see that stuff come to play. Right. Or even, um, I mean, there's so many stories, especially in the old Testament that we could point to, whether it's like in judges, whenever they're cutting up, you know, the, uh, the, the prostitute or the mistress or whatever mm-hmm. she is and sending the pieces of her to the 12 tribes of Israel or David, you know, raping Bathsheba. Um, you know, the Bible could have, could have censored a lot more would have made me feel more comfortable in my Victorian mind, especially like, you know, different parts of um, Leviticus and all, all parts of the old Testament and some of the new Testament, but it didn't censor it. Even whenever the apostle Paul said scubala, you know, in the Greek and, um, Galatians, he could have used a different word. It, that equivalent word is not used anywhere else in the Bible. And it really means in all comparative Greek literature, it means shit, right? So he could have used an easier, softer word like dung or something like that. But I believe that the Bible is a lot more intentional with the words it used. Um, and that wasn't done on mistake. Like they didn't accidentally just include a lot of graphicness in the Old Testament. But you're right. If it was a film today, 
it would be X-rated. Our MPAA system couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so since uh, Generational Sins, you're, what was the new movie you said you're working on now? The next film that we're working on right now is called The Beast in Me. And, and it, uh, you're pushing the limits even a little bit more. What's it about? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, is an, it is an R-rated film. So Generational Sins, for all of its controversial press, was only PG-13. Only said fuck yeah. once. Not that crazy. Um, but yeah, Beast in Me pushes the envelope more. And it is about a, you know, the main character, his name is Jacob. And he is a drug addict that has some sobriety, trying to hold his life together, has a fiance, has an okay job. Um, the bottom foul f- drops out of his life and he goes back to drugs. He goes to a brothel, uh, you know, has sex with prostitutes and then tries to get back into recovery and go back to AA meetings and actually befriends some of these prostitutes that he met at the brothel at recovery meetings and sees them as humans. And they actually help lead him to see, um, to see life in a different way. Very cool. And, and are, how do you push that? Like as a, is it, is it tricky to push that as a faith-based film or how do you say yeah. that it's a, it is, yeah. How do you do that? See what's difficult. And the reason why I use the term hard faith, like I wish I don't want another term. Um, the problem is, is that I never, ever want to call generational sins, a faith-based film. It isn't a faith-based film. It doesn't meet almost any of the ingredients except for it talks about Jesus. Um, the problem is, is that in the way that the industry is currently created and because the faith-based market is such a strong force and makes so much money, is that a lot of the studios have their own faith division now. So wow. like, for instance, if we send Generational Sins to Sony, just normal Sony, Sony Pictures, they watch the film. And as soon as there's anything that is all Christian at whatsoever, you know, like a cross or, you know, they talk about Jesus or there's a church scene or whatever it is, if there's anything at all remotely smelling of Christianity, they send it to their their faith-based division. Absolutely. Well, the faith-based division watches it in the first opening scene of the film. You know, there's bitch and shit and damn and everything else. And it's, you know, it's about child abuse and um, alcoholism. And and it's not family-friendly. And unfortunately, the faith-based world is synonymous to family-friendly right. films. And so then they send it back to Sony and then they don't know what to do with it. So they send it back to us. So it took us a long time to find a distributor that was okay um, with the controversy, didn't need to pigeonhole it as a faith-based film. Um, and that's where we want to go. That's why I'm saying hard faith films is because we're making just good stories, great stories. But just because we talk about our greatest truth as artists, which is Jesus, or about Christianity or redemption, it doesn't mean that it's a family-friendly film. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Well, Spencer, thanks. Sense. This has been great. We've really enjoyed talking to you very much. So let's uh, tell people where they what, what it is that you like for them to do. We'll pay attention for Beast in Me, which will be out in 2018. And Generational Sins is out now. And what's your favorite way for people to consume that? iTunes is great. Mm-hmm. If you can look it up on iTunes, give it a rental, purchase it. Um, that's great. It's available on all the other video-on-demand platforms. And it's going to be out on home video in December. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we've enjoyed talking with you very much. Thank you for giving us some of your time today. And good luck out there. Stay tough. Stay creative. We, we support you, man. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, I Spencer. appreciate we're, it. We're looking for a Christian version of Pulp Fiction, man. Thank you. I want that too. <laughs> Look out for it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, I was just looking it up for faith-based films. G means stands for God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. PG means praise God. R is revolting. <laughs> yep. And NC-17 
NC-17 means not Christian at least 17 times during the movie. <laughs> that's what that's how faith-based films, you know, do their ratings for the for the movie. So that's cool. I actually really I thought that was pretty neat. Like I like the idea of like uh, Joey, how do, how does that sit with you? Would you watch that movie knowing it has nudity in it? Does that bother you at all? Is that a something or like or do you appreciate that he would do that? I like the way that he talked about that, and I'm going back to nudity myself. <laughs> I can't wait to see that part. Uh, but uh, but like the way he was talking about it is not to turn people on or to get well, you know them sexually high. But it, it literally is a part of the movie. So the reason it's in there is because it's a part of the movie, the story. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, I'm definitely re retraining my brain when it comes to nudity one being that i don't think it's the end of the world if something turns me on because i'm a sexual being now what i do with that first feeling of being turned on i think is is probably an important thing but i i definitely can can believe in his philosophy of no we have nudity because it's real like this, this is what it looks like in a strip club. Um, and I could see myself five years ago, just being pretty black and white on it saying, no, that stuff causes people to stumble, causes lustful thoughts. You can't go there. And now I think I'm a little, uh, broader perspective with it, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I hope the girls are hot in that, <laughs> in those scenes. Well, that's not, I think maybe I'm just getting old I'm and I, I can't, I can't care as much anymore, but like even, I mean, there is so much nudity now that it almost seems normal. And part of me goes, maybe that's okay. Like the reason go ahead and you get, get so- desensitized, I mean, you ain't get to worry about well, it anymore. <laughs> well, that's well. Here's the thing: like if 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 you lived in a nudist colony, you, you probably would change your m- mind on nudity. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you just would. The reason sure. it, things are hidden so it causes you to want it more. Or oh, but don't say this bad word. So then all you want to do is say the bad word. True. Uh oh, girls' boobs are dangerous. You'll try to have sex or whatever. Like it, it almost encourages you yeah. in a way. To want to see those things and do those things, and so like, there's a part of me that thinks, well, maybe we're getting to a spot where it's not as much. Like half the time now, I'm just like, ah, do we even need this part? Like, uh, I, I won't give it away, but I was watching a TV show and and there was some nudity. I was like, I just uh, let's just get through it. Okay, they're doing it. I don't. It doesn't like it didn't even like do anything to. I was I was almost like I want to get back to the story or whatever. I understand why they're doing this. So maybe more in a way will open us up a little bit. I don't know. No, I, I like I your earlier premise. With You're that. just getting old. That's all. Yeah, that's true. One hundred percent. Hey, in eight years, I will be fifty. Yeah, eight, yeah. eight years from now, I'll be getting that's ready insane. to turn fifty. Your friend, eight years from now, will be getting ready to turn fifty years old, <laughs> and you'll still that? be and you'll still be shipping mail order Matt and Toby CDs out of your garage. Oh, one hundred percent. Because I love <laughs> putting it. the postage on it yourself and doing that and running it to the use the stamps.com or whatever. We we. We we put together, I think, is maybe three hundred packages yesterday, and I cut my fingers so many times that there was blood everywhere. So I apologize if you have some dried blood on any of your packages out there because it was unreal. Like Jess left and took the kids to like a trunk or treat thing. I was like, I'm going to get some work done for shipping, pa-. and in minutes I was bleeding everywhere. It what was do you unbelievable. Need? Oh, those are the worst kinds of cuts too. Yeah. You need some gloves or something, I guess. I know that's what I was thinking. Maybe I should do that. Then I feel really old. Like Toby, I have to remember wear yeah, to mail things. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Toby, remember when you and I were were both trying to make some extra money, and we actually for uh, someone that we knew who ran this company that uh, basically he gave you a bag of one 
thousand small plastic bottles and he paid you a dime for every label that you put on those bottles. And yeah. we literally would do that for a hundred bucks each. And it would take hours and hours and hours and hours. Man, so I'm really glad you shared that story, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. What, others, you're what welcome. other stories you got? Well, I've got a story about the BC Club. Once upon a time, uh, we came up with this unbelievable idea Great that, save. man, if people can not only listen to us, but also invest in this vision that God has given us and invest in God's kingdom, then maybe they would feel like they have more purpose. Because usually people wake up in the morning and they think, I'm nothing, I'm worthless, I'm looking yeah, in the usually. mirror right now, and I'm disgusted with yeah, myself. That's, that's, that's how most of us and usually I've, wake up. And I've yeah. got to do something about it. And these people, they went to the right place, and that's the DC the Club. Yeah, well, the Lord sent them to the right place, thebcclub.com. You click on there, immediately you start feeling that purposeful thing in your heart where you're just like, oh, I am heading towards purpose. And you can click on different purposes. One being... It's actually porpoise is the right way to say that. Porpoises. Yes, porpoises. There's different porpoises uh, that you can click, think through. Hey, man, can I just... Can I can I keep going? Or are you gonna one time I rode all the way from Charlotte to Charleston <laughs> and then back in one day? You remember that, Toby? <laughs> remember that? So crazy we did that. So, so on thebcclub.com, seriously, there's a link where you can do your Amazon shopping. I, I'm sure that you, you probably that already time do that. We said for we your... weren't gonna go to class for like two days in a row, and we just we didn't, and we watched movies. You remember? That? I'm sure you're already so doing that funny. for your son's private school. You're shopping through. Amazon, stop doing that. Like our our stuff is more important than your son's stupid private school. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing your voice. It's It's not really accurate, but I love it. It it captures the caricature of it. There's also a place where you can go and join. It does make me think at some point you're just going to go into oblivion. It just will be noise. (laughs) You can just just shop at Amazon because you can just. And just turn into a model a remote control airplane. In fact, the power of suggest, suggestion, I think I'm going to end up in a nursing home, and I'm going to be that guy. You're in a sits- nursing home. Joey, you are 79 years old. This We're trying to bring you back. Come on, buddy. The year is 2038. Imagine me sitting in a chair just going, hey, 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 hey. You no, Toby's like you are, and you're doing it right now. You Joey, know, but yeah. your, your nursing home experience will be nonstop talking about memories. <laughs> there's gonna Look. there's gonna be a 87 year old man sitting there going, "Oh, so you got bottles and put labels on them? Heard that story 15 <laughs> times today." <laughs> you got to admit that the old folks' home will be the first place to take to that would just take you know alternate virtual reality pods, right? Oh, There's nothing God. to lose. Oh, yeah, right. nothing to lose. You're already right, yeah. laying in a bed, unable to move. Why not put the damn in goggles fact, on? 100%. In fact, it, it'll be a pretty penny at first, and then it will become commonplace, and everybody everybody goes to the nurse. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, you'll have people taking early retirement to go right. to a nursing home to get hooked up. Just to, to one go of these back, things, you just go back to the life. 1930s, and you're wearing, you're, you know, your flapper going out to the big band concert. Yes. And that's oh, it. Oh my gosh. That'd be pretty cool. It's not right, well, these, the, the next these, generation is, is going to kill us and the millennials. They'll murder us before we get there, of course. <laughs> we, we ain't going to be alive. It's over. So thank ne- you. Well, I don't know what that next generation is, but they will murder us. Your children will murder you one day, and it will be legal because you're too expensive. 
Yeah, you're gonna be Menendez, is what you're gonna be. <laughs> um, so I want to thank no you guys. No one knows what that means. Some people me. do. Old people do. It's <laughs> old three. people. Yeah, and I'm I'm a, yeah, I wish we could do polls. Any this. kids? I'd love to know how many men- people knows what it means to be Menendez. <laughs> and <laughs> that you actually can say that now. If you just said that, uh, what? Uh, Less than two decades ago, right? When, when was that? Of course. Early, late 80s? I tell you, you what. You said that around. If, any, horrible. any kid that tries to Menendez me, I'm going to immediately baby <laughs> Jessica them down a well. Well, these people went to bcclub.com. I had one that was way worse that I felt <laughs> guilty thinking about it. I was go- I'm glad I didn't say it. It was about the challenger, and I'm really glad I didn't say that. <laughs> that would have been horrific. Lord, you, thank you, you. You already did it halfway now. No, you I actually, didn't. No, yes, you, no did. you don't know what I was going to say? You just said it was horrific, so you you at least went that far. I'm ashamed of you for thinking something horrific about the Challenger. I didn't think. It was horrific. I was remembering it to be horrific. It was an awful thing in America. All right. Well, these folks the went to thebcclub.com. There's different levels of joining. Everyone gets an extra episode, which is pretty cool, and that's weekly, so you're getting four episodes extra a week. Uh, all of these people also have access to a whole lot of community. There's literally, and I'm not exaggerating, I'd, I'd have to say two dozen spinoff groups of the BC Club Facebook page, and it really is neat. A lot of people are meeting each other. Some people are meeting uh, other folks that live in their vicinity and they go out and hang out and everything so thank you guys for joining and those folks are tim few matthew tilly daniel john schaefer tierney edwards i think she's rejoining i think i know who that is uh dylan Ro- ramin joshua shoot that's s-h-u-t-e brady simpson justin hedrick patrick murphy and kyle ruana that's r-u-o-n-a we love you guys. Very yeah. good. Now, again, I warn you, if any young people try to Menendez me, I will alien Gonzalez them back to Cuba in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. And you better watch your back because I'll go Mark David Chapman on you. <laughs> and I'm a Dahmer every single one of you. <laughs> come no, on. Everybody knows God, Dahmer. That's, oh, come on. Joey. <laughs> Why do you always do that to me? Joey. Like, all yes, of y'all yes. go extreme, but then when no, I go extreme, y'all no, put me on you're the hot nasty. seat. You are nasty. <laughs> We're trying to keep it lighthearted and fun. You went sick as shit. <laughs> Talking about eating people and shit. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. You've taken this too far. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Devin from Emory. I just wanted to let you know that we got a new jam available today. Go follow us on Spotify. And you'll see the two singles that we have out for you to listen to. And don't forget, November 17th, the full album will be available anywhere you listen to music. Revival. Classics Reimagined.